Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. part three of this series called Recalculating, and uh, this is just an important subject to be talking about. Uh, if you remember, two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about in our series that the reality is that, that plans are going to change, and the more flexible we are, um, the easier life really becomes because we just realize that sometimes plans just change. And last week, we kind of focused on the fact that sometimes God changes our plans, and we looked at a bunch of illustrations in the Bible of plans that were changed, uh, not, by, not by anyone's desire or not by anyone's good or wrongdoing, but just God changed people's plans. And again, we talk about being flexible and just the, having, allowing God to veto your plans. And if God says, you know what, you need to go this direction now, you go that direction, and just have that attitude of, okay, I'm going to be submissive, and God, I'm, just, I'm okay with it. So today we're going to keep going along that same line, and we're going to talk about the fact that uh, uh, sometimes our plans change because of things that we do. So yeah, sometimes plans change because God changes plans, but sometimes plans change because of things that we do. Uh, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes those reasons are, are bad decisions. If I, if I were to see a raise of hands here today, how many of you, uh, your plans changed in your life because of bad decisions that you made? Then I didn't ask you to raise your hand. I, I said I could ask you to raise your hand, but my hand would go up. I'd put both of my hands up, right? We made bad... But this area over here really raised her hand a lot, so I don't know. I'm just going to stand over here today. So, all right. <laughs> no, but isn't that the truth of it, though? I mean, we make bad decisions, and our plans change. Uh, we thought we were going to do this, and we made a bad decision, and we ended up going this way. We thought we were going to go that way, and our plans changed, and, and we made a bad decision. But the good news is this, and this is what we're going to focus on today. The good news is this, that, that even in our failure... Even when we make those bad decisions and our plans change because of that, there still can be growth, okay? We can still learn from it. The good news is that God's not over with us. God's never over with us, and, and we can still keep going. We can grow from it. We can learn from it. If you've got your Bible today, you're going to need your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. So it's in the New Testament. The first book of the New Testament is Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So the very first book, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to talk about a guy named Peter today. Uh, Peter, in case you don't know, I'll give you a quick update. He's, he's one of the disciples, one of the, the 12 guys that were there with Jesus. And uh, Peter was kind of the unofficial spokesman for the group because he just liked to talk a lot and, and he kind of was, was out there and uh, um, he was kind of the, kind of had a commanding personality. If you kind of, you ever been around someone like that, that there's a group of people and one person just kind of like, all right, I'm taking charge. And you're going, taking charge. Well, we're at, we're at pizza restaurant. We're ordering pizza. We don't need someone to take charge. I mean, just order pizza, you know, but, but there's one person that's kind of like that. Well, that's kind of Peter. And, uh, and so Peter failed a lot of times throughout, throughout the stories in the Bible and throughout the three and a half years with Jesus as a disciple. But there's the one time that Peter really failed that Peter's just kind of known for, okay, because it was such a, a huge failure and something that he did. You remember the story, Jesus had the Last Supper with the disciples, do you remember that? And then that night before his crucifixion, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Jesus is there praying, do you remember that? And uh, uh, then they go to, uh, the soldiers come and they take Jesus and they go to court. 
You remember that story, right? The story we talk about that a lot during Easter time, of course. And, and they're there at court, and, and what we know from the Scriptures is that there's John. John's one of the disciples. He's there, but he's kind of standing off to the side there. John was probably a quieter person. We kind of get that from the Scriptures. John wasn't intimidated by other people because he was probably just kind of really more stable. But we do know that Peter was at the trial, okay? And, and a lot of you that know the story know exactly where I'm going with the story. Some of you may not know the story. But Jesus is, is, is being tried there, uh, and they're going to eventually hang him up on a cross and crucify him, the story of Easter. But Peter's there, and why Peter's there, Peter does something really significant, and that is three times, not once, not twice, but three times, he denies that he knows that guy up there being tried. He denies that he knows Jesus publicly. And Scripture records this, and it's just a huge it's a huge failure on Peter's part, but guys, listen, I'm not going to, today we're not pointing our finger at Peter saying, oh boy, Peter, you're so terrible, because I think the reality of the fact is that if any of us were there in that moment, in that situation, a lot of us, including myself, would have done the exact same thing, and we probably would have done the, done the exact same thing, because I think Peter was under a lot of pressure. Let, let's take a look at the story, okay, and let's just take a look at it and see, see what happens when plans change because of things that we've done wrong. Matthew chapter 26, if you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 26 Start off with verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, so this is outside where the trial is taking place, and a damsel, or young lady, teenage girl probably, came unto him saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. So there's this young lady there, a young girl there, and she says, Hey, 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 we know you. You are with that guy that's being tried, that Jesus guy. We know that. That's all she says. Right? She doesn't you know, say he needs to be arrested. She doesn't say you're guilty. She just says, we know you. Verse 70. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou says. So it's interesting, three times that Peter denies, three times he's accused of knowing Jesus, two of them, two of those times, interesting, two of those times are with ladies. So it's kind of interesting thing. It's not like there's those big, strong, tough guys. There's not a riot of people. There's not, like, they're not pinning them up against the wall. He's there out, outside there, and, and he's warming himself by the fire, and two of the times that he denies himself, or denies Jesus, is, is with ladies there. He's not real strong here for standing up for what he believes, and he's not real tough on this, but he denies it. He flat out just is intimidated by the moment and says, nope, I don't know who you're talking about. You know, I just, I just don't know. I don't know who this is. I don't know what you're talking about. He cowers. Uh, now, we have to remember, though, to put it in context. Do you remember, so this, is, this was the nighttime. Do you remember what Peter said, those of you that know the story, what Peter said just a few hours earlier to Jesus? He's literally having dinner with Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, uh, some of you are going to deny me, and, and some of you are going to turn against me, whatever. And Peter gets up, and, and he says, nope. He says, Peter says, I will lay down my life for you. So he's in front of the whole group. He's the only one that says, nope, I got your back. I'll lay down my life for you. He just said that, I mean, just hours ago. He told in front of the whole group, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. I will never do that. And here we are, and he denies Jesus. He's not even being asked to kill him or, you know, to, you know give his life for him. Or he's not being asked to go to prison or get his head chopped off. He's just, people just ask, I think we know you. You know Jesus. And he denies him once, twice, and three times he does that. I want you to write down a couple of notes here. I think some things that we can learn when we fail. And, and I think this will be help to us, but uh, the reality of the fact is this, is 
we are all weaker than we think we are, okay? It's really easy to think you're strong. It's really easy to think that you got this. It's really easy to think that, you know, I'm okay, that I'm too good for this to happen. Or it's easy to be condescending towards those people that fail. Church, have been real easy to be standing there, you know, in that group and looking at Peter saying, Peter, you wimp. You could even say that you knew who Jesus was. It's real easy to be like that, but I think just the reality is that we are all weaker than we think we are. You know, we're all, we're all weaker than that. And sometimes we think, well, I'm just so strong. You know, I'd never do that. Peter thought he was so strong he'd never do it. Church, listen, don't ever think, don't ever think that you're too strong to fail. Okay, don't ever think that. I don't ever think that about myself. I, I scare myself sometimes because, because, because I don't put myself above the category that, oh, I could never fail. No way. Absolutely not. Just don't ever be like that. Why? Because the Bible says our flesh is very weak and you just don't know how weak your flesh is. And we need to be careful because we're weaker than we think we are, and all of us can be tempted, and all of us can fail. Every single person in this room, including myself, could have done exactly what Peter's done, and even worse. You know, I I heard uh, this last week, well, I guess about two weeks ago now, a pastor, uh, a friend of a friend, so I don't know this guy personally, a friend of a friend pastor, uh, had committed suicide. And this is probably the second pastor of a large, established, published author uh, pastor that I know that has committed suicide in rather large churches. And it's real easy to say, well, I just, oh, I can't believe a pastor would do that. Well, I, I'm surprised more pastors don't. How about that? <laughs> you know, you know, the reality is, don't ever think that, that, well, I'm so strong I could never do it. Goodness sakes. I mean, I'm not happy for that. I'm sad for that. But people commit suicide all the time. That's not, that's not something to laugh about. That's not something funny. But don't ever think that you're past that. Don't ever think, well, I would never do it. I would never stumble. I would never commit adultery. I'd never become a drug addict. You better be careful. You better be careful. Go down and look at our verse here, Matthew chapter 26, verse 73. And after a while came uh, unto them, unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely, oh, come on now, surely, thou also art one of them. For thy speech bereath thee or betrays thee. So they, they notice his accent. Remember, they know that Peter's kind of the spokesman. He's kind of well-known. They recognize his voice, how he talks, his accent, his mannerisms. And they're saying, we know who you are. We, we know who you are. You know, look down at verse 74. Then began he to curse and to swear. So, pause a second. Here's Peter. Here's Peter, the guy that's been with, with Jesus three and a half years. Okay? He's seen the miracles, right? He's, he's been the, he knows Jesus is perfect, right? He knows Jesus is holy. And, and here he is cursing. What did he say? I don't know what he said. And if I did, I wouldn't repeat it, right? But, but he's saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crows. So there's a rooster. And, and you remember that story, part of the story the night before Jesus said, you know what, Peter? Before the rooster crows three times, you know, you'll, or you'll have denied me three times, you know. And so immediately the cock crows. And, 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 and this is, think about this. Peter wrote these two books in the Bible. He wrote First and Second Peter. But here's a guy who's out there, and they say, we know who you are. We know you know this guy. And he starts cursing, and he starts swearing. So, so church, think about this when it comes to our failures. You know, we're, we're, given, we're given more to peer pressure than we think we are. Not only are we weaker than we think we are, but I think the reality of the fact is that we're, we're given to peer pressure more than we ever think we are. You know, it, just look at the story. Here, here's Peter in a group of people, and there's peer pressure. It's not like Peter's just along with one person, but there's peer pressure. Church, let me ask this question. Did you ever feel peer pressure? Uh, it's easy to ask that to high schoolers, because that's a big thing with high schoolers, to feel peer pressure, you know, to go along with the gang. 
But we feel peer pressure all the time as adults, too. Right? You feel peer pressure at work. You feel peer pressure among your family, right? Grandma says to raise your kids this way. Your, your coworkers say this is the way you should live your life. Your, your auntie or your uncle or your brother or your sister says this is the way you should spend your money. We feel peer pressure all the time to do things or to, or to, to raise our children a certain way or to live a life a certain way. Man, I tell you what, I've had, I've had people, uh, pastors are under peer pressure all the time. I have people all the time, all the time, all the time. Pastor, you need to move more to the left. Pastor, you need to move more to the right. Pastor, this is how you should, you should do this church. Yeah. You know, I laugh because this today we celebrate our 11th year anniversary of having started this church. And I'm the founder of the church, and I'm, I started the church, and goodness sake, you're stuck with me. There's just nothing, and I mean, just, I'm sorry, but you're stuck, you know. But I remember back in the early days, how many people would come to me and say, Pastor, this is how you need to start the church. And they would tell me. And they had this whole list. You need to be doing it this way. You're doing it wrong, Pastor. You need to be doing it this way. You're doing it, you're doing it that way. You need... And they'd be telling me this. And when I'd kind of step back for a moment and kind of look at who was telling me this advice, who was giving me this pressure, none of those people that ever pressured me had ever started a church. Matter of fact, none of those people that ever pressured me had actually ever started a business even. I mean, they weren't even like entrepreneurs or anything like that, you know. None of those people that, that had started a church actually were even successful in their own endeavors. Most of them just, you know, just worked regular jobs, where that. It wasn't like they were, you know, really highly educated or they were really successful in their field. Just wait a second. I got people telling me, you know, I'm doing it all wrong, but they haven't done anything. You know, usually the people that complain and usually the people that are most critical are people that haven't done anything, you know. It's like, you know, you're very particular about who you take advice from when you're founding a church and you're planning a church and and uh, you'd always have people that say pastor you need to be doing this well there's always peer pressure for a pastor there's always peer pressure uh for a church pastor don't talk about that pastor don't talk about that subject people will leave the church well guys listen in case in case you haven't figured it out by now after 11 years we're, we're not here to build a big church that that is not our mission statement that's not our goal if god sees fit to bring people to our church we'll praise the lord our job is to preach the word and sometimes we preach the word and sometimes people get offended because they don't get their way. But our job is just to preach the word. And whether there's one person here or there's a thousand people here, it doesn't matter the number of people. The purpose and the goal of this church of Dayspring is always to preach the word of God, to win, disciple, and the send. That, that's what we do. That's all that we do. Well, Pastor, don't, don't cover these subjects. I've got a pastor friend of mine that his board told him there's like five subjects. You can't talk about those five subjects because the biggest donors in our church will leave if you talk about those subjects. Goodness sakes. I'll leave that church, man. Let the church fold. I mean, what, what's that all about? There's, there's certain subjects in the Bible you can't talk about? Well, that's craziness. That's craziness. You preach the Word of God. But there's always peer pressure. There's always that kind of peer pressure to, to, to be like, you know, someone else. To be like, you know, this. Or, or, or you know, drop, start programming or drop programming or do whatever it is. You know, the church down the street is doing it this way. I just really don't care if the church down the street's doing it however they're doing it. Praise God. I hope people are getting saved at that church. But God's called us to do the church this way, you know? So, so I just say that, I share that, just say, listen, it's not like anyone here is exempt from peer pressure. We're all, we all get peer pressure. You have peer pressure at work. You have peer pressure with your family. You have, you have peer pressure within your neighborhood, right? We have peer pressure just looking on the news to do things or not do things. There's a lot of pressure. But all of us are, are, are more susceptible to pressure than we think. Matthew chapter 26, go back to, to verse 74. Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. Then began he to curse, that's the verse we looked at here, and to swear, saying, I know not the man. So I think we need to write this down here, too, that we are really more susceptible to our own sin nature than we even think we are. Peter was human just like you and me. Well, if I don't think Christians should do that. Well, I agree with you. I don't think Christians should do that. But you know what, church? A Christian can sin 
just as much, probably even more than an unsaved person. I, that's, I see it in the Bible. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Christians will never have an addictive lifestyle. Really? <laughs> really? You've had your head, head in the sand here for a long time. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good. But the reality of the fact is that my Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, so a Christian can sin, right? And a Christian can have addictive lifestyles. How about this one? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. All the way over on the right-hand side of your Bible, or you can look up on the screen there, Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, underline the word brethren because he's talking to Christians there in the book of Galatians. Christians, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So church, why in the world did, did Paul tell the church in Galatians, listen, you better be careful, Christians, because you're going to be tempted too. You better watch out for it, okay? All of us can be tempted. All of us succumb, uh, succumb to peer pressure. All of us have a sin nature that's just right there underneath the skin level that's dark and do things and say things that we just regret. We need to consider ourselves lest we also get tempted. Sometimes we're just blind to our sin nature. And then look at the end of that verse. Look at the end of the verse. It says what? The cock crows. So the rooster crows out there. I think we're, we're closer to conviction sometimes than we think. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the, the fact that the rooster is going to crow is, is predicted, of course. Jesus says, listen, you know what? The rooster is going to crow. And, and, and just imagine if you were Peter. Imagine the conviction that you had felt if you had denied Christ. And then all of a sudden you look over and the rooster's crowing and you hear it. And it was probably a deafening rooster crowing. And you knew that's exactly what Jesus told me was going to happen. I mean, I am totally convicted about this. You know, I think what's interesting about that part of the story, about us being convicted, don't just think about being convicted, church. Jesus doesn't come to Peter with this angel or this bright light. He doesn't write it up in the clouds in the sky at nighttime. You know, Peter, you know, you failed me. You know, what, what, what does Jesus use to convict Peter? He uses a rooster. <laughs> I mean, just a dumb, stupid old farm rooster. He uses a rooster to bring about conviction in Peter's life. Church, you, you ever think about how God can speak to you sometimes? Sometimes, you know, we think, well, you know, God needs to, you know, write it out for me in the clouds, or God needs to have an angel come tell me. Church, God can use whatever he wants to convict us, and God uses whatever he wants to convict us, okay? And sometimes maybe that might just be a dumb old farm chicken. I, I don't know, but that's what God used here for Peter. You know, think about that. We, we pray all the time, you know, dear God, we're praying for a great church service and help the preacher to preach God's word. You know, amen, amen. We pray that. And then the preacher gets up on a Sunday morning and preaches something and we say, well, I, oh, I got offended. I just don't like that. And then we leave the church. Wait a second, wait a second. If, 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 if God can use a dumb, you know, dumb rooster to convict us, well, maybe a God can use a dumb preacher to convict us. Amen? <laughs> but, but God can use anything to bring about conviction in our lives. God can use your Sunday school teacher. God can use your small group leader. Those of you on Friday night, God will use your challenge leader in your small group time to bring about conviction in your life, guaranteed. Well, I went to Friday night, and oh, I just got, I couldn't believe that they told me to do this or not do that. Or I just, oh, I just couldn't believe it. What do you think? I mean, what, what are you waiting for? I mean, what are you waiting? Are you waiting for God literally to, you know, have an airplane in the, in the sky and say, don't go there, you know, fly. No, God will use all kinds of different things to bring about conviction. God could use the radio. God could use a TV program. God could use a book you read. God could use a newspaper article that you read. 
God could use your pastor. God could use a friend of yours at church. God could use anybody to bring about conviction in your life. And, and, and it's not a coincidence. How about this? I wrote this down. I believe God can use a random remark to bring about conviction in your life. You know what I'm talking about, a random remark? You ever have a conversation with someone? And, 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 and it's just a, it, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about this subject over here. You're talking about sports or whatever. And you're at work. And an unsaved person you're having a conversation with. And that unsaved person says something that's just a random off-the-cuff remark. You ever have that? And it goes and it resonates in your brain. And you go, oh, man. Was that from God? Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> God, use, use, use your coworker to ring about conviction in your life without them even knowing? Absolutely. I remember back when, when I was in Bible college, I had a, had a guy going to church, a friend of mine going to a church, and I was at... Uh, uh, my pastor, Dr. James Scudder, uh, was a pastor, and, and he was preaching on a subject, and, and I, I just, I remember this as if it was yesterday. I just, it was so weird. He made this unscripted, you know, off-the-cuff remark, just an unscripted, off-the-cuff remark about choices in lifestyle. It wasn't part of his message, and he just kind of, one of those, he made this strange remark, and it was just kind of like, oh, that was interesting, and it just kind of, one ear out the other. You know one of those kind of, I'm talking about? And on the way out after church, I saw one of my friends talking to his wife, and, and, and he was looking at her, walking out the church at Quentin Road Baptist Church, and he was saying, did you tell him? Who told him? How would he know about this? You must have told him. Your friends. And this is before Facebook and, and you know, like, <laughs> like that. And this guy was under such conviction, and he's blaming his wife. How could, who told him? How, the whole church knows about some off-the-cuff remark that our pastor had made. And I remember, I, I remember talking, talking to our pastor. I said, did you know? Did you know what you made? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't even remember. Make, did, I make, did I say that in church? And he's like, yeah, you did say that in church. You know? Well, maybe God can use an off-the-cuff random remark to bring about conviction in your life. And sometimes I think we've got we to be a little more, more susceptible or a little bit more aware of that, cognizant of that, because we're closer to conviction sometimes than we even realize it. Sometimes we think about it, you know? Remember this, though, too. cool thing about we are closer to Jesus than we think, too. You know, Jesus hasn't left us. It's because we fail, just because we make a mistake, just because we make a bad decision. Jesus hasn't forgotten about us. If we were to look at the same story over in the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22 recounts the exact same story, but it's mentioned here in Luke chapter 22, a little bit different uh, phraseology here and something else that happens here. Luke chapter 22, look at verse 61. This is after the rooster crows. And look what happens, verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. So now imagine you're at that moment. They're having this trial. It's outside, and, and they're having this, and Peter is over there, and, 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 and he's, having, he's at a bonfire, and, and the ladies say, we know you, and he denies it. He starts swearing. He starts cussing up a storm, right? You hear the rooster crow, you know, whatever a rooster cockles do, or I don't know what it does. What, what does a rooster do? Is that what a rooster does? And, and Jesus is up there being tried, all right? He's already been beaten. And he looks back, and he sees Peter, and he catches eyes for a moment. Now, you imagine that moment? I mean, could you just imagine that? Jesus, Jesus hadn't left Peter. Jesus didn't forget about Peter. Jesus wasn't mad at Peter. Look, look here at the verse, verse 61. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Hmm. How he'd said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me three times. Now that, that, that story isn't in Matthew, but it's there in Luke. 
and, and there's the feeling of, of pressure, the feeling of embarrassment, the feeling of shame. And they connect eyes. Look at verse 62, the next verse. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So there was pity, there was sorrow, there was compassion in Jesus' eyes. Sure, there's disappointment, but Jesus was still there for him. You know, and sometimes in church, I know it's easy. When we fail, and we make a big mistake, we think, well, God's upset. God doesn't love me anymore. No, church, make it very clear. In spite of who you are, in spite of the mistake that you made, in spite of that, God still loves you, right? And God still cares for you. And Jesus hasn't left you. And Jesus purposely caught eyes with Peter. You know, we were to kind of go on and look at the story even, even further on. For the sake of time, we won't go there. But, but later on, after, after that night, Peter, he, he's, he's embarrassed. He feels like a failure. He quits the ministry. You know, if you can kind of just imagine, he kind of throws down a set of keys and says, I quit. And he goes back to his old job of, of, of being a fisherman and gets a bunch of people, probably has a bad attitude, gets a bunch of other people out of the ministry, and they're all fishing. And Jesus comes to him out that morning, and they come in from fishing, and Jesus does what? He makes breakfast for him there on the beach. You can imagine that. I mean, just there he is cooking the fish over the open fire, and, and he's there. And what does Jesus tell Peter? Peter, you stinking, rotten turkey, you let me down. No, what does he do? Peter, go feed my sheep. Peter, come on, come on, come on. Go back to the ministry. Come on, Peter. Pick up. Let's go where you left off. And, and just like Peter denied Christ three times, Jesus reminded Peter three times that he loved him, right? And, and go feed my sheep. Go minister with me. You know, church, we, we have got to have compassion on, on people that fail. And, and we've got to have that compassion that a shepherd would have for a sheep. We've got to need to show that, you know. Sometimes people see stuff on Facebook, and I'll just say it. I'll get in trouble here. Why not? But there's people that are addicted to Facebook, all right? Let me just say this. Facebook is pretty much poison as far as I'm concerned, okay? <laughs> we use it as a church to make announcements and stuff, but I'll have people come to me. Pastor, did you see so-and-so? Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't want to know what so-and-so did. I don't. I have no interest in knowing. Pastor, did you see on Facebook? Don't tell me. Just don't tell me. I, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know about it. I just I don't want to know about it. I just want to hear about it. You know, pastor, did, you know, some people are just addicted to Facebook. I, I believe it's like a drug. You know, you get a dopamine high and you just, you have to do it. You know, just turn off Facebook. Goodness sakes. Some people are getting themselves so worked up and getting themselves so anxious, so in depression over the whole COVID-19 thing because of Facebook, okay? Just turn the stupid thing off, all right? Just, you know what? Wash your hands. Don't touch your face, right? I feel like I got to touch my face right now. <laughs> you know, you know, if you need to stay inside, stay inside. It's okay. It's totally great. No one's judging you. You want to wear a mask? That's totally great. Do it. Wonderful. I, I'm proud of you. That's excellent. That's great. But turn off Facebook. Goodness sakes. But, but when people are hurting, and, and we need to be showing compassion, it's hurtful when people gossip about someone or, 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 or want to talk about someone when they're hurting. Okay? That's just cruel. All right? When someone's had a hard time, you see something on Facebook or like that, and we want to gossip about it. That's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting at their expense, at their hurt, their harm. We're, we're getting enjoyment out of it because we're, we're sharing it, we're talking about it. Just don't. Just don't do that. Just stop doing that. Christians, listen. People need to see the church. People need to see love. People need to see compassion, okay? And I want this church, and it always has been and always will be as long as I'm the pastor, to be a church of love and compassion. Always a church of love, always a church of compassion. And, and, and here's Peter, back to our story. And Peter, you know, here he's, you know, everyone's thinking Peter's going to be the champion here. Peter's going to be the leader of the whole group here. And it just becomes this huge ministry, this huge discouragement in the ministry, and, and, and a, a huge disappointment. 
But Jesus never let go of him. Jesus always had compassion. Jesus looked out to him like a shepherd would to sheep, okay? And Jesus never gave up on Peter. Listen, church, you're, you're going to fail, okay? You are, and I'm going to fail. We're all going to trip. We're all going to stumble along the way. Why? Because it's our human nature to do so, all right? It's not an excuse to do it. I'm not giving you a license to do it. I'm just saying the reality of the fact is that we're all going to trip along the way, okay? Because there's so many stumble, things to stumble. There's so many things to trip on. And it's going to be so hard sometimes to just, just always never live a life without any kind of failure. But when you stumble, church, listen, you get back up, okay? You just, you just get back up. You just get up. You keep going. Well, no one there likes me. Well, don't say that. That's the devil saying that to you, right? That is. Church loves you. Your pastor loves you. You care for you. You stumble. You fail along the way. You get back up. And what do you do? You keep going. You get back to church. Those of you that struggle with, with, addictive, with addictive habits and lifestyles, you come back on Friday night. That's what you do. You just, you just show up. Well, what will people say? Well, who cares what people are going to say? It doesn't matter. It do, do, doesn't matter. You get up and you keep going. You don't quit. And, and you keep moving for Jesus. You say, okay, I made some mistakes. Yeah, I screwed up. Well, we're going to make it right. We're going we're to keep going. And church, your plans may have changed because you made bad choices. Okay, okay, that's true. And church, I'll say this too. You have made some bad choices. Maybe you have. And it may take you a lifetime to clean up the mess. I don't know. Well, I wish it would just get fixed overnight. It won't. It won't. It won't. It, it may take years to get things fixed. You may have relationships you'll never put back together again. Absolutely. You may have consequences you'll have to pay the rest of your life. But you still get up and you still keep going and you still don't quit. There's consequences of our actions, but church, don't ever forget, we can still be forgiven. You change, you pick up, you keep going. God still loves you. God hasn't forsaken you. He's still there. You know, the coolest thing about it is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, how many sins did he pay for? How many? Okay. Did he pay for the sins of our past? Yes or no? Okay. Did he pay for the sins of our future? The stupid things we're going to do in the future? Yeah. He paid for all of our sins, church. Oh, don't ever forget that. When, when Christ died on the cross, he didn't say, well, I'm going to just pay for some of the small ones. No, I'm going to pay for all those sins. Church, that's not a license to sin. Absolutely not. It wasn't a license for Peter to do what he did. But goodness sakes, church, you're going to fail. You're going to stumble. Peter, get back up. Get out of the fishing boat. You're done fishing. That's not your job anymore. That's not your calling anymore. Come on, let's go. Now, Peter, Go feed my sheep. Go serve. Go do what you're supposed to be doing. Stop, stop going back there. Stop having a bad attitude. Stop whining about it. Stop complaining about it. And pick up and let's go. And we look at Peter, the guy with some of the hugest failures in the New Testament, and God still used him to write these two books of the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The guy that denied Jesus in front of all those people, God used him to write two books of the Bible. Isn't that cool? I just think to me that's just an amazing thing. I mean, you think I mean, if it was me or you, we'd been like, well... You're disqualified. You'll never write. You know, no, Peter. I need you to do that. I need you to write about this. I need you to tell. Them. Those two books are powerful, powerful books that he wrote. So, church, listen. Your plans are going to change sometimes because you made a mistake because you fell. Okay. The goal here today is you get back up. You keep going. You serve the Lord with all that you've got. You don't let Facebook. Or you don't let someone else discourage you. Okay. And you be open. You be aware. You be listening for God's conviction. Okay, and it may just be a, a dumb, stupid rooster that's crowing in a farm field, but you be looking for that. And you, God, would you tell me what to do? And you're going to hear a rooster crow, and you're going to say, "I know exactly what I did. It was predicted. I knew it was going to happen." All right, and you get back to right where you need to go. All right, share the gospel with a lost and dying world. 
Share the gospel. It doesn't matter what you've done, you can always share the gospel. I had a pastor friend of mine that had failed miserably in his life as, as, in, in the ministry. He'd just done some really, really bad things, and it was really sad. And uh, he spent the rest of his years, the rest of his years, he was a senior, but he spent the rest of his years as a dynamic soul winner. He would walk the beaches of southern Florida where he lived, and, and he would just hand out literally, I mean, with not making it up, but literally probably a thousand tracks a week, and, and he wouldn't just be throwing tracks out the window. He would engage with the gospel presentation to probably a thousand people a week, probably one of the greatest soul winners we'd ever have known, but he was disqualified from the ministry because of things that he had done. So at church, we just don't quit. We keep going. Aren't you grateful for this verse, John chapter 3, verse 16? It says this, says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The qualifications for heaven is not being good because the truth of it, none of us would be good enough. We've all failed. The qualification for heaven is that you've believed. You've believed what? That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, was buried three days later. He rose again, showing the payment had been made. And that's our faith is what saves us. Not our goodness, not our, not our, our walking the perfect line, not us attending church that gets us to heaven. It's our faith that saves us. Let me just show you this quick illustration we've done today. Pretend this hands me and you. Pretend that my glasses are all the bad things we've done. Here we are. Here's the bad things we've done. Now, just pretend for a moment my right hand is God. Okay, God's in heaven. There's no sin in heaven, right? We know that. That sin keeps us from heaven. But God said, here's the thing. I love you so much. That's what that verse says. God so loved the world. I love you so much. But that sin can't go to heaven. Someone has to pay for it. The book of Romans clearly says... The wages, the cost, the mortgage of that sin is death. Someone has to die to pay that sin debt. So he doesn't say going to church pays it. He doesn't say you know, repenting does it. He doesn't say being good does it. He says, no, there has to be death. So God said, here's the deal. Listen, <laughs> if you die and that debt hasn't been paid, you will spend an eternity forever in hell, separated from God with no hope. Or... God said, I love you so much in John 3, 16, that I'll, I'll send my son to die. When Jesus dies on the cross, he'll be that death payment. He'll pay the mortgage for you so you don't have to. All you have to do is believe, okay? He doesn't say go to church to have it paid. He doesn't say give money to have it paid. He doesn't say stop smoking cigarettes to have it paid, okay? Listen, church, smoking cigarettes won't send you to hell. <laughs> You'll smell like you've been to hell, but it won't send you to hell. He said, all you got to do is simply believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid your sin debt, and God says, you know what? You're forever part of my family, never to be lost, never to be forgotten. You'll still make mistakes, yeah. You'll still fail, yeah. But all those sins were paid for on the cross of Calvary, okay? They're all paid for. They've been wiped away. You'll still make mistakes, but God says they're forgiven, okay? Your eternity in heaven is based upon who you're trusting in, your faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid your sin debt, okay? If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. Would you do that today? Would you trust in Jesus as your Savior? If you're trusting in your baptism, stop trusting in that and start trusting fully in what Christ did on the cross. Let's have a word of prayer today. We'll be done, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for our study today in the Word. Thank you, Lord, for, for the example of Peter. And Lord, uh, he failed. And Father, we're going to fail. Lord, I pray that we would just never forget that even in the midst of failure, you haven't left us. Even when our plans have radically changed because of the decisions we've made, because of the failures we've made, you haven't left us and you haven't given up on us. There's still a plan. There's still hope. There's still a future for us. Help us never to be discouraged and, and quit. Help us to keep going.
Father. Help us just to pick up where we left off and to be everything we possibly can for you. Father, it's going to hurt. There's going to be, there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be long-term payment for that. There's, there, it, may change, it may change plans for a lifetime. But, Lord, you haven't left us. You haven't forgotten about us, and you still have a plan for our future. Help us to stay close to you. Help this church to stay being a hospital, to continue to be a hospital where people that are sick and hurting can come and find help and healing. We're not a courtroom, Lord. We're a hospital. I pray, Lord, that that vision of this church would never be lost and we'd never forget it. pray all these things in your name we ask. Amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.